This is the Reverend Jeremy Means Koss, and you're listening to an Episcopal Constellation in the Shires of Vermont. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to the last Sunday of the season of Epiphany, the last Sunday before Lent. On Thursday evening that passed, we just finished the first part of our Bible study series on prophecy. We'll pick back up with that series during the Easter season, um, but we're taking a break from prophecy during the Lenten season to give space for the study of prayer, confession, and retreat. I bring this up because during that study so far, we looked at the prophets Amos, Hosea, Isaiah, and one of Isaiah's successors known to us as Second Isaiah, or Isaiah, depending on how you say it. And this is important because when talking about prophecy, when talking about the prophets of the Lord, it's easy to focus on just one aspect of the prophet's life, them as this like divine actor, this agent of God. We never think of the prophets as people, people just like you and me who feel God pressing in on on their heart, hopefully sometimes in ways that surprise even ourselves. With prophets of the Bible, it's easy to only think of the lessons they pass on from God. We don't think about how their very lives can be a message. And yet we're given a part of the story of the lives of two prophets here today. We enter into the life and lives of two very important people, Elijah and Elisha. Uh, Side note, it definitely doesn't help that their names are very so similar, but that is beside the point. Um, Elijah is such an important person in the story of God's relationship with humanity that when Jesus has his like literal, like miraculous transfiguration moment, the moment recounted for us today in Mark's gospel Elijah is there along with the dude himself, Moses. Elijah was so important that he is one of the few people recorded in the Bible to actually not die. He just like ascends into heaven. The only other people to do that is Enoch in the book of Genesis. And it's like a throwaway line. Like it's like there was this guy, Enoch, he walked with the Lord and then he ascended moving on. We had like no reason, no context. Um, we get um, Jesus at the end of uh, Luke and beginning of Acts, which like makes a lot of sense. And then we get Elijah. Now church tradition holds that the Virgin Mary and her husband, Joseph, that Moses and St. John the Evangelist were also like assumed into heaven. That's not in scripture though, but we kind of believe that in our own piety as a, as a larger church. But my point is that even if you count them, that's like six or seven people. Like that is, in the grand scheme of, of 5,000 years of like what's going on in scripture, that's a nothing. And I'm not saying that like every time I read this passage, Every time I look at second Kings, it ends up leaving me with more questions than answers. Like why is Elijah so intent on telling Elisha that it can't come with him? How do so many prophets know that Elijah is going to be taken up in the Lord? Like did God like take out like a PR campaign? It was like, just letting you know, this dude's getting ascended. Like, like makes no sense. And why 
why did Elijah journey in a giant circle? So if you look at a biblical map, you'll actually notice um, that Gilgal, which is given to us, is actually right above Jericho. And then Bethel is like over here. And the River Jordan is back by Gilgal. So if you like look at a map and read this scripture over again, you'll see them going from Gilgal, then to Bethel, then back to Jericho, then upwards toward Gilgal again. And it's just like, huh? So as I'm reading this, and as I'm praying on this, and as I'm letting this like just confusion sip, like sink in, God was reminding me of this moment that happens in our everyday lives. If you've ever cared for someone who was beginning to severely decline, it can be really difficult. There's this urgency that begins to set into their hearts, things that they want to do or say before they transition. And as those people who walk with them in those tender moments, if they say jump, we say how high? Because if we can do that for them, if we can support them, we want to. The same is actually true for people who are very work-driven and they're about to hit mandatory re retirement or worse yet, the bane of my existence, mandatory vacation. Um, I speak from personal experience that back in my student affairs days, right before going on vacation was actually some of the most stressful times for me at work because I always had to turn stuff in or get stuff done or finish the instructions for other people so that like they could continue the stuff that I was doing. There was this time crunch. It is human nature that as we approach transition, whatever the transition may be, the stress levels go up, not down because change is scary. And it's moving because it's kind of what I imagine is going on with Elijah. Elijah knows his time is coming to an end, that in this impending end, there is this harried, rushed desire to get everything done possible. Here, I've got to get this done in Gilgal. Oh, actually, I've got to get this done in uh, Bethel. Oh, I've got to go back to Jericho. And I love, I love how Elisha is just being with in the midst of all of it. And Elijah just keeps telling him, no, 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 I don't need you. I don't need your help. Just stay here. You're fine. And Elisha says, dude, I am not going anywhere. Time and time again, when pushed to the side, when told to wait, when excused from effort, Elisha does not step back. He's there for every last moment of Elijah's. And when prophet after prophet try and tell Elisha, hey, stop, he's going to ascend any minute now. Elisha is like, guys, I know. Let's not make a big deal about that. Let's not talk about how massive and terrible this change is going to be. Let's just live this moment day after day. I think Elisha is one of these perfect models for pastoral care. Someone who is willing to just be there, to just bear witness of change and hold its hand with steadfast resolve. 
So what does that say about God and about us in that story? What I love about stories in the Old Testament slash Hebrew Bible or stories in the epistles of the New Testament is that sometimes, sometimes we need to hear about people other than Jesus. Jesus is this perfect being and we are not perfect. And sometimes it's really good to look at other imperfect people. People other than Jesus so that we can be reminded by Jesus what is important. I mean, isn't that kind of the whole point of the parables? And sometimes, like, sometimes I'm definitely like that older brother with the parable of the prodigal son has a right to be angry. This young buck who just comes back and gets a party and that's not right. Like, sometimes you get caught up in the story and you're supposed to. These people that we hear about on Sunday after Sunday, they aren't just tools. They aren't just fictions to be told. Whether you believe that Elisha and Elijah were real, the more real you hold them in your heart, the more real you take their lessons into your heart. (laughs) Dramas on television and movies, they like, they can make you cry. Not not me, because I'm like a a ball. They can make us cry. But it's not because we know that they are real. Them being based on a true story does not make them any more or less emotional to us. (coughs) Somehow in the storytelling, we connect with the characters. And in connecting with them, the stories become real. My message today isn't really about prophecy. It's about seeing the characters of scripture as more than just characters. That by identifying with them, beginning to see yourself in the scriptures that you read, that you see your lives in the figures of the Bible. From 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 16, we're told directly by scripture that Elisha is actually the son of Shaphat. And yet... And yet, as Elijah is ascending into the heavens, we hear that Elisha calls out a cry so uncomfortably common and known to us Christians. Elisha calls out, Abi, Abi, my father, my father. This guttural declaration of the human experience in pain for a boy crying out for someone who was like a father to him. When you read and hear the stories of scripture, do you take time to let them move you to puncture your heart and leave you a little bit more raw? As we prepare to enter into this new Lenten season, this new season different than any other year before it, because you are older and you are wiser than the years before. How will you empathize with what God can pierce into your heart now? Amen. Thank you for listening to an Episcopal Constellation. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. And if so, please give us five stars on your local podcast provider.